You're listening to C3 Church Tugra's podcast. Join us today as we listen to our Sunday service message that will inspire and equip you. We pray that you are blessed and empowered as you listen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church family, visitors in the house. God bless you also. The Lord is so good. I played two extraordinary golf courses last week. Sorry, I wagged church. Father, we thank you for what you're doing today. I wonder if we could get up the scripture, uh, Ephesians um, chapter 4. Uh, 17 to 24. Let's read that together. We may stand and do it. Uh, This revival is all about the Word of God too. Like Nehemiah was about restoring the walls, but he was restoring the Word of God through Ezra. And I really do believe there's an anointing for people to um, be inspired to go to their Bibles. And please buy some highlighters. My goodness. When you find a scripture, highlight it, make your Bible live. Don't let it become a boring... What if someone walked into your house and opened your Bible and it was just black and white? They go, oh, yeah, what do you read this for? Uh, but if they go, oh, why have you got that highlighted for, I wonder. Can you tell me, please? Um, so, come on. This is, the, this is the Word of God. This is going to get you through this wonderful life that we are, are blessed to live. And if you don't find your narrative, and if you don't look at your family album of your heroes, you soon get sucked into the Netflix world and get, you know, lost in uh, cyber, or somewhat lost in the, uh, what do they call it in the Bible, vain imaginations, vain imaginations, some incredible imaginative people out there, my God, <laughs> but I tell you what. Uh, but you don't want to get strung out there, you know. I remember walking out of the theatre after watching Vanilla Sky years ago, and I was, we, we were revived at that time. It was years ago when that came out, and I walked out of the theatre, I thought, man, what has messed with my head? Uh, and, I, I, you know, I realised, my, my Lord, this stuff can mess with you, you know. And so I want to read the scripture, and it's about Paul saying uh, in the book of Ephesians uh, that he gives practical instructions. So the first three chapters of Ephesians is your position in Christ. It's your, it's your position. It's your theological understanding of who you are in Christ. Christ in you, you in Christ. You need to read that over and over. I know someone who was in just the first chapter for a whole year. Yeah. Just the first chapter. Um, and, and they were a good, good, solid ministry person. Uh, just to try and get the depth, replumb the well, you know, to recalibrate your spirit, your soul and your spirit. Uh, you need this stuff. You, otherwise, your mind is going to, and your mind is so important. The battle is in the mind, uh, and the world's trying to mess with our mind. You know, it's trying to say that black is white, white is black, and uh, black is white, white is black, good is bad, bad is good, and uh, you know, and you go, is it really, is that real? Uh, and uh, I always thought, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but you need the Word of God. And so, um, okay, so first three chapters in Ephesians is about our position in God, and the next three chapters is about the practicality of our position in God. It's about how to walk that out. Treat your wives well, wash them in the word and your neighbors. And, and it's got all this practical stuff that we need to live out. 
And so he gets to this portion of Scripture, and he says, if you're really going to be the church, uh, the church that, that I have uh, understood it to be, uh, understanding it to be like the blueprints, because Paul, as you know the story, he goes away after being radically saved. He, he goes into this time of basically in the desert and downloading from God who we are as born-again believers and and who the church is, and that's why that Ephesians church so radically changed Ephesus, which was a region not unlike the Central Coast, 300,000 people, 12-story uh, statue of Queen, Queen Artemis or something, and, and, and um, Queen Diana, uh, Artemis. And so, yes, that was toppled, and uh, the artisans went out of business because they were making little trinkets and stuff. They went out of business and uh, what happened? They say historically, this is not even in the Bible, but historians say most of Ephesus was saved because of this blueprint of, of, of the Ephesians teaching that Paul dropped into that church. Oh, why did I stay? You know what I mean? And, and so I believe that C3 Tugger has always tried to adhere to a greater uh, level of understanding of what the church is. I know the church can be a nice, cute place, but I didn't sell, I didn't, I didn't give my whole life and my family and put my family on the front row of ministry to be a nice church, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, and I was well too, uh, I was well too informed to realize that life was way more dramatic than what the, just the pastoral message informed us of. And, and the pastor's message, we need that, how to get along with God how to get along with each other, and how to get along with yourself. Who wants to get along with their self? Who wants to put your hand up? Right, we need an altar call right there. <laughs> me, my, me, myself, and I, we've got a problem. We're going to church or not. We're going to give or not. Katrina, you did a, a great giving message last week. I heard all about it. it, it, it the ramifications were heard up at Nelson's Bay while I was playing on that salamander, 16th hole. Closest to the pin I got, I won the prize, seven iron. Closest to the hole, thank you. Okay, sorry, I digress. And so, <laughs> it's just one of the little idols I've got to just keep in check. Uh, just, just keep that in check. I remember Rodney Howard Brown, you know, he's a great man, a God evangelist. And I remember he, he realized that he was getting angry when he was blowing his shots. And he literally, he literally wrapped his iron around the tree. And the Lord said, that's it. That's the end of golf for you, son. And so he had to stop playing golf altogether. But um, Ephesians chapter 3, I hope that does not happen to me. I am nowhere near that, guys, trust me. Uh, so chapter 3, <laughs> Ephesians. Um, he, he gets to this, and, and this is so pertinent to what I want to try and say through this message. And this message, I tried to preach it at, uh, at uh, Roger and Katrina's uh, ordination morning, but because we had so many visitors, I realized I couldn't probably drop that message into their lap, and I went just full tilt evangelist, you know what I mean? It was fun, wasn't it? it really, people like to see me a little bit unbridled, untethered. Say untethered. untethered. Unbridled, which anything might happen but I love to teach I'm a builder I built my own house I, we we built this church thank you Lord 
I'm a builder of people. I really do believe I, I have this innate uh, responsibility to what we do as church to build you into that man and woman of God that Christ says that you can be. I'm not here to pat you and stroke you and just be nice with you. Uh, I really do want to provoke you. I want to stir you up and I want to challenge your mindsets that the world's given you. Hence this scripture. And Paul says that if you're going to be the church that, that you need to be, you need to listen to this. And I believe it's a scripture for this hour. So let's all say it together. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of the mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have so learned Christ. But you have not so learned Christ, sorry. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. And so Paul is saying, don't listen to the narrative of the world. That will pollute you, corrupt you. You know, we're all puffed up about our science and our technology, and we're so prideful about our iPhones and all the technological wonder. And it's brilliant, but it needs to be, you know, it needs to be submitted to God and for His use and to give Him glory. Not to think, wow, we can do this. We can really... What we can organize this planet in a, in a very, um, you know, in a very intelligent, revelatory way due to science and ideas and philosophy, and we can live a peaceful life. Well, I'm sorry, that ain't going to happen because everyone is born with sin. Everyone is born with sin nature, and no matter what you do, people are going to sin at the end, no matter how many rules you put around us. Julie gets upset when I go over the speed limit sometimes. <laughs> and I say to her, I am not bowing my knee to all these rules and regulations and taking out my freedom to drive at a respectable manner. I'm talking about only driving only one, maybe two, maybe three Ks over. I have to say that because I'm being recorded. <laughs> it might be more than that. I would query that and appeal that. <laughs> but I'm not going to drive exactly to the letter of the law. My God. And the men say, Amen. 
paranoid. I'm now I'm dra- driving paranoid that if I dr- just transgress one, two, three, five Ks, that six, seven, eight. No. So I refuse to bow my knee to the intimidations of the systems of the world, the rules and regulations, to a point I'm living sensibly in the fear of God, not the fear of man, and I love driving, and I'm going to do it according to my own conviction and the conviction God's given me. Yes, amen. I don't know what I said that, but please enjoy your driving, ladies especially. It's all right. Even if you get pulled over, at least you've, at least the, the wind was in your hair and... The, it was worth getting up and you. And of course, I don't know if that works anymore, you know, smiling at the officer, but they seemingly, before you know it, you're booked. You haven't even got a chance to even say anything. You just, oh, okay, I was going to talk about the matter, but. <laughs> yeah, he comes back and he says, Yeah, you're gone. All right. Thanks. Uh, no grace. No. Father, we thank you for the move of God that's um, flowing through the earth. It, it's so wonderful. It is a move of God. I call it a move of God, uh, an awake spiritual awakening, uh, a revival. Let me just give you some statements just to give you some context of what God's doing again. I want to go into a little bit of, um, a little bit of teaching, just a, a short piece. Um, but please enjoy this time and, and really make use of this time of God moving. And I'll give you good reason uh, through the message why God is moving. So revival is God's work of restoration. Who can say amen to that? It's God's work. The church needed to be restored. It, my house needed a makeover. I didn't know it. It was, I had a lot of timber, timber, Oregon and cedar, cedar. And Julie said, I can't live in this dark house anymore. We need to sell up. I said, well, hang on. I mean, I built this house. Do we really have to pack up? And I said, well, if we paint this and paint that, what? Paint that, paint this. That. And, but you know what? It is painted uh, this day. <laughs> and, and it was restored, my house. And it did cost. And I did come kicking and screaming. But I'm so glad for it because now I live in such a wonderful, aesthetic, pleasing house of good vibes in Jesus. So I know some of you are struggling with this. Some of you um, are wanting maybe us to go back to normal even after COVID. We're not going back to normal, guys. Can I just tell you, we are not going back to normal uh, in the world. We're in a new era. And that's a consensus of opinion from many good prophetic minds and people. Even the world is saying it how you do business, how you do life. We're not going back to normal. You need to pivot. You need to rearrange your lives to deal with what we are now living in. So revival is God's work of restoration, bringing life to what is dead. And I love that statement. Recovering what has been lost. And that's another statement I love. And restoring the joy of salvation. Don't you love this joy, this bubbling? And It's a revival of God's presence and power. And it can be fully experienced, both inwardly and outwardly. Who can say amen to that? I love to explain, so I'll continue on. Inwardly, the fear of God returns. Repentance takes its place. And that's what's been happening 
in a lot of these revival spots. And by the way, revival um, spots are breaking out all over the world, uh, and not just the unis and Asbury and started it, and they've closed down, they've gone back to business, and they've moved the revival down to another place. So we're learning how to do this stuff better, by the way. We're not going to go back to the days of 25 years ago when C3 Tugger experienced uh, a move of God. Our church was crossroads, and we used to have five-hour services, and, and um, it was awesome, uh, and I loved it. But we'd, we'd, it's going to be different, and there's going to be a revival of something new, and I believe it is the Word of God. Amen. So inwardly, the fear of God returns. Repentance takes place. Hearts are refreshed. And a passion for Christ is reignited. Outwardly, miracles, outward, this is the outward stuff. Outwardly, miracles, unusual signs and wonders take place through the power of God. I love that. So many stories out there. And in a revival, an unrestricted outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people occurs in such a way that a renewed passion for God and a fresh perspective towards life. Did I talk about a perspective? That's what Paul was talking about through that scripture. He says, get the higher perspective, which is where repentance comes from. Penthouse, repentance is about the higher view of life. It's about the mind of Christ view, not in the dungeon uh, thinking, not in the, in the doldrums, but it's repentance is change of mind, change of heart, and coming up to the higher view of what God is saying and doing. So you've got to repent to get up there. That's the first message, basically, that Jesus said. His first uh, hit song, uh, first book release, however you want to say it, was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, great, it just broke all the records, it's just still going, it's still outselling, it's the greatest selling message ever, and, uh, but it, it does have that word repent, you know what I'm saying? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning righteousness, peace, in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, everybody. Now, the kingdom's all around us. The kingdom's all around us. We walked, I was with my friends uh, Marty and Ellie Webb, we walked into a very busy restaurant up in Nelson's Bay, and when we walked in, everyone looked at us, everyone, I mean, what is that? We're only three people, and literally everyone, who are they? Are they famous? Are they, there's something about them, you could hear the whispering, I don't know, I've seen that guy. I think he was in L.A. Law or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, we're born again and we have the kingdom around us. And when we walk into a room, I'm sorry, friends, but we should have told this when you got saved. You do have an effect. You have an effect. No, I'm shy. I'm quiet. This is a private thing I'm doing with Jesus. Thank you. I'm sorry. When you walk into a room, you have an effect. 
There's that scripture, the last verse of uh, Psalm 85. His righteousness goes before us. You quoted it, didn't you? Uh, yeah. And, and, he, and, and, and we follow. We follow in his footsteps. So his presence is going before us. <laughs> Some people go, how do you shut this stuff down? I don't want to give people notice I'm coming or be, be uh, you know, noticed. People, some people would want to shut this down, but God didn't give you a dam. He gave you a river. Oh, now I'm preaching. He gave you a river. He didn't give you a dam holding it back. I will hold this back like Warwick Amber Dam. I will not have an effect on other people and have them asking me. Or You are a river, and God wants you to flow like a river. I haven't even preached any of my message yet. Uh, <laughs> in a revival, an unrestricted outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people occurs in such a way that a renewed passion for God and a fresh perspective, ah, that's where I was, towards life is born within a person or amongst a generation. And that's what we're desperately praying for. That this message, the gospel message, would be so real, relevant, powerful, sound, awesome, that our young people would see it as the way forward in life. Because I'm telling you, a lot of good young people are getting hoodwinked into the philosophies and the mindsets uh, of the world because this world the information is is amazing that's out there and it can really give you a sense wow we don't need so much of God anymore we just need to get smart and we need to navigate life with smartness but it's not about that ultimately God's righteousness truth and knowledge abound resulting in a pure relationship with God and people I just need to read that again. Ultimately, God's righteousness, truth, and knowledge abound, resulting in a pure relationship with God. People are, in fact, looking for, they're looking for truth. They're looking for answers. And they want to know what the heck is going on. That's what your friends are asking you. Or they'd like to ask you. I want the truth. I realize I can't depend on the papers, the media anymore, and even what some of the most, you know, wonderful minds are telling me. And I, I, I want answers, I want truth, and I want to know what's going on with our dear planet. Sometimes God gives renewal to a local church or a group of people. At times, a whole community is blessed and changed by revival. Does that sound like you? <laughs> Every revival, no matter how small or big, short or long, serves a specific purpose to those who experience it. And as I said, you can call a revival a move of God or a spiritual awakening or revival, uh, but it's all the same. God is moving. Now, there's a sound to it, and I, I quoted that, I think, through the uh, promo. There is a sound of revival 
but it's upon all the nations, but it's upon a generation. Our young people are hearing it, which is amazing, which hasn't been the case for 20-odd years. Julie and I remember preaching, uh, doing chapel in um, Gosford, um, help me, Jules, Christian school. We went from, help me with this, 96, 97, they were eaten out of our hands, the whole assembly, young people, by what we said and prophesying over them. Julie was wonderful in that, in that uh, big auditorium and hundreds of kids. And it was seemingly like the next year, all the kids were going, speak to their hand. We don't want to know. And they even started mocking us and pushing back on us. What happened? It just happens that quick. After that move of God, it was. It was literally after the move of God. And so we realized, oh, my Lord, the battle is on for our young people. Father, we pray that, um, dear Lord, that that would not be the case uh, anymore. Um, The sound of revival is our generation. The sound of revival in our generation has echoed in many hearts, churches, and ministries. It's echoing in our heart. You can, you can sense that this means something. Many people are feeling the wind of revival, but the question is, how many of us are going to respond to it? Indeed, revival is knocking on many hearts, and I pray that we would be a people that hear and respond. As it says in Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. The Lord, friends, is knocking on the door of our heart for a deeper relationship with him. He's knocking. He wants way more meaningful relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen to that? How we respond now will have consequences for your life, your family, your future, for the future. And so that's all I want to say about that, the revival. Um, uh, Giving you context of what revival is. Last time I was here, I spoke about Psalm 85 verse 9. And it's a great scripture. I actually did it for the regional prayer. I quoted that scripture. And it is um, a, a whole... Um, discourse of scripture I'm talking about Psalm 85 the entirety of it and I'm talking about this scripture being it's a prayer of revival and restoration and and they're they're in gratitude and they have favor if you look at some of the sentiments and 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 it has restorative uh, qualities to it because the Israelites the Israelis were strung out in in um uh, disobedience to God and they were getting themselves into all sorts but now they have been pulled back into the countenance of God's great love and they, they, they're reiterating this through this psalm and they're saying Lord your favor your restoration is real you have re- uh, rescued us from your righteous anger um, and so it does have strong salvation language to it and but then it talks about Uh, Will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? It should be be fun and it should be a joyous thing when people say, let us go up to the house of the Lord. 
and, and, and let us worship. We used to, man, Julie and I, with Jilly in the pram in 85, 86, Arena High School, Impact Center was in the Arena High School. They didn't have a building at that time. And we'd already done two years at CLC Liverpool from 85 to 86. So this is late 86, maybe. And um, we'd turn up into the car park with Jilly. Huh? Two in the pram. No, I think it was just Jilly. Um, and, and so... We'd jump out of the car. Sorry, darling. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'd jump out of the car, and we could hear the sound of the worship. We got there late because we had to travel from Wyong to Erina. And we could hear the sound of the worship, and we're busily getting Jilly into, into the pram, and Mum's getting her stuff together. And I'm going, are you ready? Can we go? I can hear the sound of the worship. And, and literally, we'd push that pram as quick as we could. We were running with prams before all the trendy athletes were running with prams. Tell me. <laughs> we were running for church. Did you see the old fields this morning? They're running with Jilly. That's a, that shouldn't be. You know. And we get in and we, ah. Just put, and, but the worship, like it was 300 people. It was a big church then. It was the, it was the only big charismatic church on the coast. So all those people, that sound, and that lady singing, she was a beautiful singer. And, but we, we wanted to get in there. We were passionate to get to church, to worship the living God. Sometimes you've got to strip all the stuff away and get back to the simple devotion of the Lord. Amen. Man, I know we have a lot of stuff we can lean into. Good, I've got my good food, I've got my... Good, good, good clothes, I'm happy with that car, my house is awesome. But if you start diversifying all your passion into all this world, you end up with a very anemic Christian life. <laughs> Do we really need to go to church today? Man, love it. We've got good food in the fridge, we've got a great house, look, the aircon's gone. Oh, I could watch something on TV. We need to understand what we have as revived people. And maybe you need a weekend away. Maybe you need to do something to understand what you have. James, just one story and we're done. James McCrady, because I need to preach this properly and I've run out of time. James McCrady, a preacher in 1799, traversed over the Algary Mountains to minister on the frontier of Kentucky. I'm talking about 1799, guys. Uh, he had three little box-like Presbyterian churches. Have you got those pictures of those churches? Uh, may look like something, one of these churches. Uh, McGrady described the work during the winter of 1799 as, for the most part, weeping and moaning with the people of God. This is how he describes his work through these three little Presbyterian churches. He best describes it as weeping and moaning with the people of God. And I realize, what? Moaning? Yes. If you're in the Ukraine right now, if you're in a third world country right now, if you're on a lost weekend with your golf mates, <laughs> you're moaning. And, and, and if you look around our world, the intercessory 
praying, prophetic people are moaning and crying out for change because they can see where this world's headed. And so I realized moaning was applicable maybe in those times. For the most part, weeping and moaning with the people of God. He promoted a once a month concert of prayer with other churches. But he asked his people to pray for him when the sun set on Saturday for half an hour and when the sun rose on Sunday for half an hour. Sounds like a good idea. McCready was so was no specimen as a preacher. He had a bad voice, and people noticed this awkward gestures in preaching. I'm not sure what that means, a flailing of arms or some awkward gesture in preaching. Also, he was a man so ugly that he attracted attention. But... But in 1800, okay, so we started off in 1799. But in 1800, there came a flood of blessing with with a revival meeting as large as 25,000 people gathered to worship and pray. I can't help but think what happened at the Grammys. Sam Smith, I think you probably heard about that that awkward uh, event. The enemy shocking the world with such a despicable show on national TV. Devil worship, in fact, at the Grammys. The devil had a say for five minutes, saw by 12.5 million people. But then, a few days later, revival broke out on a small town in Kentucky, and 63 million people have... At that time, that was three weeks ago, have watched it. They've been influenced, touched, set free, ignited by it. And it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of hours. There was a movie made about the Jesus movement, the early 70s, in fact, the late 60s. A move of God broke out amongst the hippies. They were radically saved. I've been watching some of the old Christian music. Second chapter is Acts. We brought Jilly up on when we got radically saved. I think I told the story. I gave all my incredible 700 albums of the best musicianship, the best stuff you could ever imagine from the 70s. I got rid of them. And we started to listen to the most plain Jane Christian music. I must have been radically saved, Clay. I must have been. Second chapter's Acts is a band there. Voices are very high. Two sisters, one brother, radically saved. And um, they were the first incarnation of some of the great Christian music we have today. But they've released a movie about this move of God. And Kelsey Kramer is in it, actually. And... It's speaking to a new generation of people about the simplicity of what God did then. Now, one of the girls, they were three introverts. 
Matthew Ward, uh, Annie, and the other girl, all introverts, and they don't even know how this happened, that they ended up on stage singing for the Lord. But it was because they were radically saved. The inward faith that they had happening in their heart began to flow like a river. And someone said, guys, your voices, your singing is absolutely amazing. Barry Maguire, in fact, who was one of the key guys behind the production Hair in, in, you know, the big musical Hair. He said, guys, you you are sensational. You you need to sing uh, before people. And they did. They stood up. Then he said, yeah, but you've got to speak between the songs. You can't just sing a song, stop and sing another. You've got to speak. Oh, we can't do that. No way. We're introverts. He said, just speak from your heart. Be real and speak from your heart. And they began to speak. So these old videos of second chapter of Acts, of watching them speak between their songs, is amazing because they're really standing up in the sufficiency of the grace of God and giving testimony of what these songs mean. And I thought, wow, these guys... And and, and so while I was watching that, I realized it was getting on me. The simplicity of what it means to be radically saved and then to be able to give that away. It was, and I said to Jules, Jules said, what are you listening to that old stuff? I said, Jules, it's doing a number on me. It's teaching me that being saved is enough, that you don't have to have all the professionalism that churches have come up with. So the Jesus movie was released, and, um, and the, the box offices have gone through the roof. The world can't even understand it. Um, and I think it's coming out in April, is it? In America, it's made up to 40 million. They just go, what? Kelsey Kramer is actually being interviewed, and it's done a number on him. He's a guy that's, you know, obviously got a lot of accolades in acting and stuff. And he's going, no, you don't understand it. This movie did a number on me. This movie overhauled my heart. It's happening, guys. God is moving. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father in heaven, we come before you. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. And thank you, Lord, for the move of God. Revival comes when ready hearts collide with the power of God. There is a sense of the church needing to prepare for the next great awakening. And Lord, prophetically, we declare it. It's in our midst. It's here. We want to steward that which you've given us, Lord. This Every encounter that we have, Lord, is for a reason. Lord, it, it, it's for us to be healed, set free, recovered from a world. And it's all its mindsets and values. Lord, I simply want to come back to you. In the attitude of my mind and my heart. And Lord, right now, I just pray for this altar to be open to the power of the Holy Spirit, that anyone who should come out and just stand here just for a moment, that they would receive an anointing. So if you want to come out of your seat right now, just do that. Just for the last few moments and then we're going to shut shop and
They're going to let people just abide in the presence of God and let others go if you need to go. But right now, the Spirit of the Lord is upon this altar. And if you just stand on this altar just for a moment and just say to the Lord, I want my first love back. I want the simplicity of the devotion unto you back. Four generations running together, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Zs, Gen Alpha. We're all going to run together. Father, I pray prophetically, I pray that we would run together. The drought is over. One person.